0: to Our listeners, welcome back to the fourth episode of the Tongan Legends podcast. Um, I'm joined here, as always, with my co-host, Lise Funaki. And we also have another guest with us today who I'm very excited to have on the podcast because he has been an integral part of my, I guess, work, my adventures that I've had in Tonga. He originally set me up to go back there as a student while I was... Um, at BYUI Hawaii, and he really taught me how to think, um, I guess how an anthropologist might think. But anyway, I will turn the time over to Ulise to introduce our guest star, um, Dr. Tevita O'Kaili.
1: Maluelao Mare, ho eiki moikainga. Whakatapu atu ka ngahuoma whakataukatea, whakalolo e hau, pe he whoki ki a Maui Tawahe Ako, and whakatapu uh, ki he ho eiki ho noko me he turiki. Um, happy to be here again everybody, happy to see everybody and we're here with Dr. Tevita Ka'ili. Um, quick biography for Dr. Ka'ili. Um, Dr. Ka'ili is the Dean of the Faculty of Culture, Language uh, and Performing Arts there at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. He's also a professor there in the anthropology department. His research interests include indigenous anthropology, especially in regards to the Tava theory of reality, of reality, I think it's called. I am
2: reality. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Migration, diaspora, and pretty much anything Tongan and Moanan in anthropology, um, work from the University of Washington and University of Utah in anthropology and social work. Um, and he did his undergrads at both the U of U and BYU-Hawaii. So we're also we're very excited to have him here with us today. Dr. Kaili is a mentor to me as well, has been helping me in my own educational journey through school and through reclaiming Tongan and Moanen cultural knowledge and in this um, anthropology. Um, Dr. Kaili is also uh, blessed to have the name Taba uh, Heako, a traditional uh, Tongan name, chiefly named. Because of his connection to his ancestral village of Koloa in Vava'u, which has a very intimate ties with the Maui clan. And we'll get more into that a little later. But uh, we're very honored, very blessed to be here together with Dr. Kaili. a Pito Kaeli si Malo.
2: Good to be here. Thank you. And we just wanna say that uh, both of you are my students. So uh, you know. <laughs> I am, I'm grateful to see that you have uh, taken the yama, the torch, and continue on with preserving our, our culture and sharing it widely online. So uh, wonderful to to be here with both of you. Yes. Malo. Malo fayako, <laughs> Malo,
0: Malo. Yeah, we're honored. We wouldn't be here without you. So as um, Ulisa kind of mentioned before, today in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Mauis and a big reason why we invited Dr. Kaili to join this episode is because he does hail one of his ancestor lines hails from Koloa mm-hmm. and he also has that title as a Maui. A lot of us think about Maui when we think about Maui. Unfortunately, most people in the world today, when they think about Maui, they think about, you know, what Disney portrayed there. You're we won't welcome. talk about that, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, you may not know that there are many, many Mauis throughout Tongan history today we're going to be talking about a few of them starting with Maui Motua so if you remember go back to the creation story in the first episode of the podcast so Furifonoa had a child with Vele si'i, and that child's name was Maui Motua this was the third child right so we had Havea Hikuleo Tangaloa Eiki and now we have Maui Motua Maui Motua actually resides as we said before they divided up earth or the domains you had the you know Langi underworld and Pulotu, and Maui Motu'a was given the underworld, Lalo Funua. So Maui Motuo was given this domain of the underworld where he took care of it, and he had three sons. Right now, I'm just going to read them off. We have Maui Loa, Maui Puku, and Maui Atalanga. Now, the Maui we most commonly refer to when we talk about Maui is actually none of these Mauis. It's the next Maui we're going to talk about, and that is the son of Maui Atalanga. Okay, one of the islands, we didn't discuss these islands in particular before, but one of the islands that the Tangaloas are accredited with creating is Vava'u. or a lot of the islands in Vava'u. One of those islands was Koloa, so shout out to, you know, all the Koloa people out there. In Kola, there was a woman named Hina, and we've heard Hina a lot. That's a, a very famous name, and we'll get to more about that later. But Hina married with Maui Atalanga, and they had a son named Maui Kishikishi. Now, his name, Kishikishi, is a dragonfly. Um, It's also, I mean, I, from my experience living in Tonga, I heard that it was a sign of good luck. Maybe that's just what some people believe. Like, if you see a dragonfly flying around, it means you're going to get a bunch of money, or you got some money coming or something. So Maui Kiskisi is kind of this... Different character, right? In other names, he's known as Maui the Trickster. Mm. And then in the legend we talk about, he will be getting another name, but we'll review that in a second. (laughs) So, as you know, we're we're introducing these stories because these stories talk about the creation of the world and then tonga. So the part of Tonga that the Maui's are responsible for creating. Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself, but we're gonna go ahead and talk about that right now. Story goes the Maui's Maui Atalanga. Um, I think Maui Puku and Maui Loa accompanied them, is that correct? Yes. So, so the Maui's Maui Loa, Maui Puku, and Maui Atalanga, and Maui Atalanga's son, Maui Kiskisi, wanted to come up to Mama, to the world, to see it. And they had heard that there was a God who lived in Manua, or in Tongan Manuka, Samoa, or Ha'amoa, named Tonga Fusfonua. They jumped in their canoe and, and they're paddling around and then they end up paddling out to Manuka. And when they land there, Maui Kisukishi, the son, you know, this is the Maui that most of you think about. He goes ashore to try to find Tonga Fusifonua and he's going to ask him for a magical hook that he has. Now, this hook is fabled or known to be a great land pulling hook. It had the capability of latching onto the seafloor and pulling land out of the oceans. And Tonga Fusifonua, the name Fusifonua means pole land right so his name is literally the land polar that's his title Mm -hmm. so maui kiskisi goes up into uta onto land into the bush and he runs into a woman named Tavatava who is Tongafusfonua's wife they get to know each other I guess depending on what version of the legend you read that could mean a few different (laughs) things correct um but they get to know each other (laughs) (laughs) and Tavatava likes she takes a liking to the boy, right? She takes a liking to the young Maui Kishikishi. And so they go back to for Noah's home. And while he's there, he helps her, you know, with a number of things. And I've heard this story a few different ways. But essentially what I realized, I feel like he didn't just come out and say, hey, where's the hook? Or, hey, how do I get the hook? Or, hey, I'm here for the hook. Yeah. He came and he got to know her and he spent a lot of time. They spent time talking. He spent time helping her out in the yard or whatnot. And he noticed that in this api, in this be it a compound or a yard, Mm -hmm. that there was another little fale or a little shed off to the side. And now nonchalantly, of course, he probably knew what was in that shed, but nonchalantly, he brings up the shed and Tava Tava already suspects or knows that he's here for the land pulling hook because many other gods, many other people had come before trying to get this hook because I mean, who doesn't want to pull up lands, right? So because Tava Tava has taken a liking to the boy, she tells him, you know, a lot of people have come and tried to get the hook from him. But they all fail, and I'll tell you why. When he comes back and you ask him for the hook, he's going to take you to that shed. Mm. And when you go inside that shed, you're going to see hundreds or many, many different hooks. And these hooks are going to be made of everything you can think of, of all the precious things that can be found in the Pacific and the islands. And they're going to be huge, grand looking hooks, or so there might be other ones that are smaller, but really strong looking. And she tells him, Don't pick any of them. Instead, Look for the smallest, dirtiest, most worn out, most worthless looking hook Yeah, and pick that hook. So Tonga Fusifonua, who's a great fisherman, right? Fishes up land. He was out fishing. He comes back. And when he arrives home, Maui approaches him and says, hey, you know, I've, I've come for that hook. Can I have it? Can I borrow it? Indefinitely borrow it, I guess. It <laughs> out. And so just like Tawatawas said, Tonga took him to the shed and said, whatever hook you choose, you can keep, but you only have one choice, right? You can only choose one hook. And after that, that's it. So he goes in and he looks around and he finds that hook. He finds that small, dirty, insignificant looking hook. And it, you know, he might have picked it up or pointed it or whatever. And he, and he says, is it this hook? Now, in response to this, of course, Tonga was, he was shocked, right? He's probably pretty upset because his little trick didn't work. So in response to that, he said, ku tava tavatava i manuka. Meaning, well, what he he should have said is, uh, like something along those lines. Lavaki is to betray. But instead of using the word lavaki to say betray, he said, yeah. he said his wife's name as the word of betray. Yeah. And so he knew that his wife had betrayed him and Maui got the hook. That's a saying today now. Some people will say like, is to refer to a betrayal. That's one of the cultural implications and we'll get to more of those later. But after he chooses this hook, Tonga Fusfonoa says, you know what, fine, you beat me. I just have one request. I want you to name the first land you pull up after me. So Maui Kisukisi returns to the boat where his father and uncles are waiting and they sail offshore north and some people say, and they pull up a place called Tokelau, but they didn't name it Tonga because they were just they wanted to test it to see if it works. <laughs> see maybe he tricked you or whatever, Trick like uh. double crossed them or something. So they pull that up, they say, Hey, this is working, and they head south, all the way to where the islands of Ewa and Atata already exist, and those are the islands we talked about in the last episode. And Maui Kiskisi throws down his hook and he pulls up a significantly sized island and they name it Tonga. Today is known as Tonga Tapu, or if you're in Tonga, often referred to as Tonga Eiki, and that is the main island of Tonga. It's when this happened that Maui received his new name of Maui Fushifonua. So he took the title of Land Polar of Maui Fushifonua had. They went on to pull up many more islands in Ha'apai um, and around the Pacific, you know, the same Maui, this is the same Maui that pulled up the Hawaiian Islands and um, many, uh, many other islands around the Pacific. <laughs> So that is the story of the Mauis and the kind of this finishes our creation story of what we now refer to as Tonga, the kingdom of Tonga.
1: And
2: yeah mm-hmm. And I will just add to to that uh, story uh, beautifully uh, told by Nah of. Um, that there's another version related to it that when they pulled up the islands, some say they were coming from Pulotu, that Mm -hmm. after they pulled up Tongatapu, it was actually a mountainous and a hill place, but Maui Fusifonua stepped off the waka into the land and stomp on the land and all the the mountains became flat and fertile. And out of that, uh, out of Maui uh, Fusfanua, the side of his feet grew up all the plants that we have in Tonga, from grass to flower to taro to sweet potato to mm-hmm. breadfruit, and so yeah. this is the origin of many of the plants in Tonga, coming also from from Maui Maui Fusfanua. So that's the addition to to that uh, to that story and how all the plants came about.
1: Malo. Malapito ngawoma and Maui tawahi ako beautiful renditions and stories and I hope everybody was listening to that and you know kind of gets a better understanding now another part of our creation yeah um the creation of the world as we talked about it from the first episodes from the Moana the deep ocean then moving on to the Tangaloas and their hand in creating very specific very important islands and people tong in the first Tongan men and now we have here. of you're right um kind of the the closing the tail end of tonga's creation story having to do with the pulling up of certain islands we'll get into it now uh the the cultural the the actual implications if you think oh yeah what what do you oh real quick so
0: you know as he as he brought up men i realized that i forgot a part of the story that after you know maui went and pulled up tonga and smashed it flat um remember yeah. the Kohai, Koao, and Momo, the three first men yes. created for Tonga, still lived in yes. Atata or Ata, right off the coast of Tonga Tapu. So as the yeah. Mauis were kind of paddling back off to the canoe, they saw these men living there all alone. You know, and they're like, Ah, poor fellas, let's go get them some women. So <laughs> the Mauis are actually accredited, they brought three women from Pulotu. Yes. Um or in some if you some renditions they'll say they brought them from Lalafonua, but we believe it's from Pulotu. They brought these women. Yeah. To marry these three men and then that is the that is the, and that's ending the creation story of Tongan people so this is this story yeah. kind of wraps up those two different creations towards the land and and the islands in the world are created but also how you know man came to
1: be in Tonga yeah anyway
0: forgot it's to add that, I
1: to that no no you're good you're good beautiful Um, it's a very interesting thing to think about uh that we as Tongans have an understanding that the creation of men and women occurred separately, yeah, uh, and it's and it's so very Tongan to to attribute the creation of like say men and women to to very important things or lesser things. So to to those who have seen the, the, the or listened to the episodes before, you, you you um hopefully you remember that the men came from a worm or a giant caterpillar and unufe or uanga, you know, and so that's what the men where we believe the men to come from, so it's a very interesting take on that, and and then as Ngawoma had explained, the women though were seen to have come from Pulotu, a very sacred place to Tongan people, Tongan culture, Tongan identity, in fact, and so um, that says a lot about it. And I think and I you know we'll get more into that the cultural implications, but uh, that's just one part of it. So um, um, Dr. Kaili, is there anything now that you'd like to talk about now concerning the cultural implications or you know what can we learn then from this story of the Fusifonua of the pulling of the islands and the Maui um there's tons of other stories a whole lot more other stories of the Maui they are the heroes they are the rebels they are the uh, the origins of many different things in Tongan culture and history so you know where would you like to start off with
2: yeah I always like to tell um people that the stories in Tonga are in the form of Heriaki yes uh, Heriaki meaning that they come in a poetic uh, metaphoric or symbolic language and that that our history was preserved in this Heriaki language yeah um, so when you when you listen to the story and I know I, you, you both have done this with the other episode you begin to see that there are actually history and scientific mm. knowledge that are um, in the story but they come in a very poetic uh, beautiful way to tell the story right yes. So first first thing to, to sort of kind of think about when you uh, and, and we do this in Tonga all the time you know whenever you listen to a matapule or listen to songs they're always using you know these uh, symbolic language and then you have to sort of uh, peel, to be able to see what, what's there. So first of all, I would say, the Mata'u Fushfonua, the fish hook that was used to fish up the islands. Uh, most people today, uh, scholars who have sort of kind of looked at this, uh, is to say that this was a, a reference to Mata'u Maui, which is a star constellation, uh, known in the West as Scorpio. In the West, it looks like a tail of a scorpion, but from the people of the Moana, it looks like a fish hook. And that star a constellation was the knowledge that was used to discover new islands. And so when you go to discover a new, a new island, it's much more poetic and beautiful to call it fishing up an island, right? Instead of say, we went and discovered an island, we went and, and fish up an island. And if you've ever been on a Kalia, you know, when you go to, uh, to another place, it feels like the island is coming out from the sea, you know. And so it's a very beautiful metaphor to see. And I think what happened is Maui Kisikisi went to Tonga Fusifonua. He's also known as Tonga Matamoana to learn how to use the star, especially this particular constellation, Matawa Maui or Scorpion, to find other islands. And, And so all the islands that are, you know, whether it's Aotearoa or Hawaii and so forth, when you say that they were fishing them up, Actually, they were discovering or oh, that Maui yeah. came and sort of kind of found these islands. So that's that's one piece I want to add to that. And as, I think as it's an
1: actual nautical term, right? to rise an island, right? Yeah. As you're coming up to an island. Yeah. I don't know, you're the, you're the sailor. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, you
2: know, Ngawamba um, here, kid, he's, he's, he's the one that's been on the Kalia the most. But even yeah. in the story, says they went to Tokelau to the north and yeah. fish up Tokelau, which is Tokelau of, of Manuka. Then they yep. sail back to or they oh. sail to Tonga and fish up. So it was all, all the navigational information is there yep. in this story, but in a hiriaki beautiful way. No, I, I really love that and I and
0: I'm I'm grateful that you kind of expressed that because i never actually thought of it that way. But as I have done a little bit of sailing and as he was explaining that, I kind of yeah, I kind of got goosebumps or chicken skin because <laughs> that's that's what it's like. Like you you go and you kind of you just see this. This thing rise out of the ocean in front of you and I remember like I sailed to New Zealand once from Vavau, and as we got closer before we saw any land there was dolphins and albatross and everything swimming around us it was almost like a greeting party but then we got there and I saw this big long white cloud ahead of us just this and then and then I knew the name of New Zealand is which means the long white cloud and so it's like this. This island got its name because that's how people found it. That's how people saw it. But then as we got closer, you know, it's like it seems like the ocean and the clouds separated, and this yeah. land, this huge land, came out between it. Um, and so no, I think I really appreciate that insight. You know, it's one of those things that it's very enlightening. But yeah, that's super there's cool. A lot
1: of, there's there's, a, there's another example of that of especially here in Hawaii. So uh, you know, for those who don't you know know about Hawaiian Hawaiian origin stories or Hawaiian, you know, culture, um, uh, Mauna Kea. So for those, you know, who, uh, who know about Mauna Kea, uh, Mauna Kea is seen as to be the older sibling, right? The big island, um, Mauna Kea is the first thing that was created. And and if you imagine then, if you take that metaphor thinking, Heliaki or in Hawaiian Kauna, if you're sailing on a Kalia or on a, you know, on a canoe from the South coming up to Hawaii, that is definitely the first thing you're going to see it's Mauna Kea shooting up from the ocean as the highest point yeah you know and so it makes sense it only makes sense that the earliest Hawaiians would recognize that as being the quote-unquote firstborn because it coming you know as it was the first thing seen the first thing spotted and and it's it's a beautiful beautiful way to to capture this type of event is through poetry and and you know, just same thing. Support you know, going off of what Kaili said. Um, Tongans love to not say things straight <laughs> in in our oratories in our language. You know, we always have to say it in a very sideways, poetic, up and under <laughs> to get the point across. You know, but it, it causes one to think, and it and those who really want to know will do the just the do, in due diligence and try to figure out what they're trying to say you know so it's really important to our culture
2: yeah it's it's beautiful way to uh, express scientific knowledge this is indigenous yeah. scientific knowledge that's yeah. do with um, astronomy and also marine life or mm. navigation uh, and it's it's a better way to actually preserve the story because if you have this story that is told in very poetic form it's easier for people to remember yes. you know that Maui went out and fish and, and do all of this than to sort of kind of explain it in a very technical scientific term. Uh, so, you know, th- this is uh, our ancestors, right? Our ancestors had this yeah. in their mind and they created these stories and they passed down this scientific uh, information to us uh, in very Hedyaki form. So it's kind of interesting because both science and art are together. The humanities yes. and the arts are merged together into to, one's, to one story. They're not separated uh, in, in that way. And that's, no that's a technique that we know really works guys. i mean if
0: anybody who's taught knows that if you put something to song people mm-hmm. are going to remember it exactly. you know and you could sing the quadratic formula i won't do it right now but <laughs> <laughs> i probably couldn't do it anymore but probably get halfway through it it's like you can remember a lot of different information and so this is really cool because in the last episode we talked about how who was the the plover which is you know, these birds are a huge part of navigation, yes. and he is the god of navigation, and now we have Maui's hook, which is used to find land, so you have birds and stars, and this yes. kind of combination, I don't know if any, so any of you who've ever sailed, you know, people say oh use the stars, but you realize, half the time, the sky is covered with clouds. catch stars in different windows or if you can see them on the horizon but at the same time you use the waves you use the birds like I said when I was talking about New Zealand we knew we were close because we started seeing albatross and that's really cool like it's really beautiful how these these scientific processes were preserved through this story and I'm sure is recited as songs often or or different chants and things like that
2: yeah and I want to add one thing about the That, the, that this fish hook was the oldest rusty uh, <laughs> his, uh, fish hook, because I think it's saying that uh, you, you, you choose the old knowledge, the, the yeah. knowledge that m- most people would sort of kind of discard. Just like today, people would say, oh, those, you know, those myths and legends, nobody cares about those old stuff. We don't really care. But in the story, Tabataba Taba is telling Maui that actually that's where the value is at. The value is in all of these old stuff. The fish hook that is considered to be the oldest fish hook is the one with the most value. And yeah. therefore we should, we should value it. Yeah. You know, we, we should see it as something that we should preserve and pass on. And that's why, you know, I love what you're doing here in your episode because <laughs> you're you're taking some of these old stuff that maybe people don't care about, and you're sharing it with, with others. Milo. I
0: think that's. That's very significant also in Tongan culture because, I mean, Pacific culture in general is a very big culture of respecting your elders. But that comes from the value. I remember a story from Vava'u when Vava'u has a drought, there are are springs that pop up underneath the ocean. But what would happen is, is the young men would go to the old men and the old men would tell them where to go and how to get it. And so it's that combination, the old men had the knowledge but the young men had the physical ability Yes, And so it's like a lot of times with ageism, especially, you know, we recently, depending on when you're listening to this, we recently finished the presidential debate and a lot of, and I'm not, I don't want to talk about whatever opinions, but like there's been a lot of, be it founded or not founded ageism (laughs) that's been going on. You're saying these guys are so old, they kind of lost their value, but in this legend, we kind of see also really, you know, scientifically, because that's, you had, you needed that community, that cooperation of peoples, but also culturally that has translated into that respect factor, that is very much, yeah. you know, kind of requisite in Tongan
2: culture for your elders. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, the elders are repository of knowledge. You know, they were the ones that have all our our knowledge, our indigenous knowledge. Yeah. Uh, that's what people call it today, or indigenous <laughs> science. You know, they were our library. Yes. So, you know, they were, were living libraries that we had to go and, and, you know, we didn't have Googles or any of those stuff that you have today. So all the knowledge were, were um, deposited in, our, in the elders and therefore that that was important. But it also uh, just kind of bring the Tawa theory here. You know, mm-hmm. Tawa idea is that the past is always uh, put in front to lead us. That's the way we always, always arrange time and space for us. The time of the ancestors was the most important time, and so they guide and and help us understand our present situation much more clear, because we allow them to, to be the to be the leader, in, in those and that's why elders are respected and so forth.
1: Malo Kaili. that's beautiful. Actually, since you know now that we're on that a little more, you know, I I wanted to, set in with the naming, so you know you had talked about, you know, for uh, for Tongans in this specific conversation. The, the the constellation of scorpio right as it's known to to the west or to um europe and other european countries you know for us it was something different i just want to highlight that you know because a lot of times we're so caught up on you know what the knowledge that you know from from papalangi or from european euro-american uh culture and and, and schooling and stuff we tend to emphasize that more Forgetting that, you know, we had our own understandings of these things. We had our own names. And I think that's important to emphasize as well, that we saw the world differently. They saw a scorpion. We saw a hook. They see Orion, Orion the archer. You know, we saw the Ha'amunga, Maui, and the three paddlers of Hina. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very different things. And it, it, it's definitely a result of our worldview, and so I also wanted to ask you a question, Dr. Kaili, if you could expand more, you know, what are then the implications? What is the importance then of Maui to us as Tongans and to the Tongan listeners now, you know, those who are born here in the U.S. or in Hawaii, Aotearoa, you know, in Australia, besides, and no no, throwing shade on it, <laughs> on Uncle DJ, but, you know, the Moana movie, it's it doesn't give a... a the complete story of who Maui was, you know, what what is the importance of us understanding who Maui was and these stories?
2: Yeah. I mean, for us, you know, Maui is an ancestor that was deified because of his knowledge deified, meaning that we elevated uh, him to to Mm -hmm. the level of a God because of his vast knowledge. I would say Maui was our foremost scientist. uh, One of our foremost scientists. Yeah. Um, you know, be, because he and his brothers have so much knowledge about just the stars, the ocean, uh, you know, cultivation. Because all the stories, uh, Hufanga, uh, Mahina and I started collecting the stories of Maui. Tonga has about close to 40 stories of Maui, different wow. stories. So today we're just talking about one of the stories, yeah. the fishing, you know, but there are so many other stories of Maui. That you know relates to all of these sort of knowledge system. And that's why that's why uh, Maui is important. And Hina too, Maui and Hina. So both of them are yes. sort of a hoa that goes goes together.
1: Yeah. Malo yeah. Kaili. And to those again listening, you know, wanting to know, you know, thank you all for, for tuning in and for wanting to listen. You know, but this is also an attempt by you know Wakona and I and Dr. Kaili to introduce people to their culture and their history, things that they didn't know about. You know, and so now hopefully you have a better understanding that. Maui was super important to how we understand navigation, um, planting, cultivation, agriculture, yeah. right? Um, even today, another cultural implication is uh, we had talked about it earlier before coming on to the video. Um, uh, the old Maui, yeah, Maui Motua was said to have uh, resided in Lalofonua, where he also took care of fire. We'll get yeah. into that. Um, but he had his plantation or his konga api, his, his complex called uh, Tokanga, right? and today even today you know tongans who talk about their their plantation or i'm going to the bush a lot of them will say i'm going to you know oh we'll get i go hifugi tokanga you know oh we're going oh we just went to tokanga today you know people don't realize what that means it's because they're still using that name of maui's plantation for their own you know because he was a, a master farmer and so it's very very interesting to see stuff like that and um Even uh, as I said, Maui had taken care of fire, Maui Motua, we believe Maui Kisikisi had taken fire and brought it to the world. Right, Uh, Kaili, is there any stories with that you'd like to highlight with uh, Maui and fire?
2: Well, I wanna say that uh, even the technology of umu, our our underground oven, that comes from Maui Motua. He's the first one to sort of create that technology and uh, gave us the knowledge, but also fire also, Mm. yeah. And, and the story of fire is basically, you know, Maui Kiskisi or Maui Fus Fonua, you know, he wanted to bring fire and share it with, with you know, with the mass. Uh, yes. At that time, it was only Maui Motua uh, was the keeper <laughs> of fire and he wanted to keep it only for himself and the people who were sort of the Ho'eki of that time, right? The, the chief. Yeah. So he basically, you know, sort of kind of smuggled the fire out of Lalo Fonua <laughs> and came up to, uh, to Mama. And he told fire to go and hide in certain plants, such as um, breadfruit, um, fau, uh, there's another plant called to, and also on rocks. And all of these you know, plants and, and, and uh, rocks, these are the places where you actually can make fire. So yep. the, the knowledge is there. But one thing about Maui Kisukisi is that he was, uh, we see him as more of a, you know, always fighting for justice, wanting to share things with, yep. with, with other people. You know Tangaloa and Maui Motua and others were more you know want to keep the knowledge only for themselves <laughs> but Maui Kiskisi was a little bit different he wanted to share it with with, with everyone yeah. he wanted to, to to allow everyone so so he's sort of a freedom fighter in that in that sense too yeah a little bit too huh? <laughs> well he's a trickster yeah uh you know, uh, we, you know people refer to it as, as, as <laughs> right uh, as a as a trickster, but he used it for good. He used it to yeah. share knowledge with people. Yeah, not not just for his own uh, yeah. ego, but he, he he tricked the gods uh, so that he can share the knowledge with others. Yes, no, that's and I
0: you you know we're looking at the hierarchy of this original family. Yeah, um, and it it makes sense that Maui Skisi as the son of a younger brother would bring about these changes. And I don't know, you know, if your dad is the youngest sibling in his family, you guys might have experiences, but I always feel like it's the younger brothers or the kids of the younger brothers because they're technically the lowest ranking person in the family. They're the ones who want to change things. They're the ones, a lot of times, I know a lot of these younger brothers, they're the ones who a lot of times are successful business owners, or I know, you know, a Tongan man I was very close to was in that same position, but because he didn't like being that status he didn't like being referred to as that he went off and he kind of rebelled and he yeah. he created his own name by establishing himself and becoming a successful business owner so it makes yeah. very much sense that like you know that person did this and it's, it's kind of funny because the guy I'm talking about he he loved Maui but it's cool and we kind of see like that culture that existed then is still the culture that is kind of existing today yeah. so that's yeah
2: that's awesome man yeah the dynamic between the you know the older sibling the elder sibling and the younger sibling that's been going on since the beginning yeah (laughs) between Maui and 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 Tangaloa Tangaloa was older so there's always sort of kind of rebellion from Maui wanting to sort of change the system make it more justice Uh, because you know the older brother always gets everything yeah and so Maui represent the younger brother so <laughs> all, any of you out there who was younger brother and felt <laughs> like, oh, the land always goes to the older brother. It doesn't seem fair. Well, Maui should be your hero because yeah. he has been fighting from the very beginning on this so, issue.
1: I think this story is also interesting. And I'm going to, I agree with everything being said, being told, but I think, uh, you know, I'll do a little pushback with that. I think also Maui, the Maui stories represents the importance of balance. Hmm. You know, um, as the younger brother, yes, uh, the, and the younger line, you know, in, in terms of Hikule'o, Tangaloa, then here comes the Maui boys, the Maui family. Um, yes, they were very rebellious, but I think the stories and, you know, uh, I know we, we don't have much more time uh, you know, on this episode, but for detailed stories, but we see it in the story of Maui Atalanga um, and Maui Kiskisi, who both are well-known in Tonga and throughout the Pacific for the story of pushing up the sky And for slowing down the, you know, the sun. Um, Going back to what Ka'ili said with Heliaki and metaphors, you know, we um, so far what many Tongan scholars like Ka'ili and other Tongan scholars and Tongan traditional knowledge holders is that that is a poetic way of talking about the imposition and the incorrect use of rule by chiefs pushing down on people such as the sky, so much so that people were crawling or the, sky, the sun going too fast, so much so that people didn't have enough time to do work. And here comes the Maui boys fixing that. So I think there's still a, a recognition of authority. They're the younger brothers, but they also recognize to respect the upper echelons, you could say, the, the elder brothers, but they need to respect their boundaries too. Yeah. You know, And so they had to push them up or slow them down And then everything returned back, you know, and so I think it's a it's a story of balance that all of us understands where we need to be the Maui have their things they do, and all the chiefs and older brothers, you have your responsibilities, don't start pushing out of that. So I think that's really important as well for me a theme in the stories of the Maui. Yeah. Exactly. sorry but
2: <laughs> yeah and we still use the Sun and the and and longi as a oh, metaphor yes. for the chiefly family yeah, yeah we, definitely, we, definitely. we still say this when we were talking about the king yeah. right yeah uh, my respect to the son of Tonga yeah that son is a representation of the king and so when when Maui was slowing down the Sun that one interpretation is possibly he was yeah. sort yeah. of like pushing back uh to the sort of Oppression of, of the yeah. maybe the king at that particular time, so yeah, wonderful stuff. Yeah, no, that's
0: I mean, that's definitely. I mean, just to draw in a little bit from from history, but even you know, some or the, I guess a couple of the most famous warriors I think are Taufa Ahau, um, mm-hmm. who became Tupou the first, but also Ulukalala, Fina Ulukalala. Yeah, and Fina Ulukalala, he was a higher ranking chief, but he wasn't anywhere near. Well, I, I'd have to check the relations, but he wasn't near as high as the Tuitonga.
1: Yeah, who was exactly.
0: Tugu Aho. but he was the one who aided another chief in going in and assassinating the king and to quote some famous mm-hmm. words that i remember um from dr kaili as well as his student he said tongans have a long tradition of assassinating their kings or like <laughs> it happens a lot but that's that's that you know because in our last episode and i I forgot to kind of push back at this um, when we mentioned it, but we kind of came up and saying, you know, there's this there's this balance between commoner and chief. And that's but that's ideally. It didn't always exist in Tong, and it doesn't always exist. Yeah, of course. And
1: yeah.
0: so the balance is you have this younger, you know, this younger family, this younger thing that pushes back against the higher to kind of create yeah. create that balance.
2: Yeah. Man, this is yeah, we, we we assassinate oppressive king. Good kings. We like good kings, yes. (laughs) I was going to say, we
1: don't just assassinate kings.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: But it's because, you know, they've, you know, and and bringing it back to Kaili's work with Tava, you know, and there's many people out there who don't agree with Tava theory, but I think it's because they don't understand it's not something new that um, Okusi, that Hufanga, Okusi, and Kaili have created. It's always been there you know, the importance of va, of relationships, of keeping balance between, you know, our different levels of society creates harmony. Once you start going past that, whether you're a king being oppressive, pushing too hard down, or even if you're from the bottom, pushing too high up, you know you're going to get burned by the sun you know uh, that's a little greek little greek stuff
2: for you now <laughs> Malo, i appreciate nah, you know, my but ancestors.
1: You know, that's that's what it's that's what i think it comes down to you know is our ancestors were very much aware the importance of balance in our society you know once you start to go past that traditional tongan cultural values of fakaapaapa Lototo, and all that that's when you start getting any kind, as they say in Hawaii.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: I
0: think as you were talking about kind of some of those customs, it reminded me of, of the story, the story we told earlier, you know, when Maui went, and this is this is maybe a lower, you know, a lower cultural aspect. We're talking about relations between kings and peoples and all that stuff. But I think on a day-to-day spectrum, this is very apparent in Tongan culture, but when Maui went to Tawata, to Tawatawa, he didn't he didn't yeah yeah no I'm here for the hook yes yes which is which is something well actually to be honest I really struggled with that culture (laughs) when I first went to Tonga as a missionary because I would show up and you're like we and, and be it you know a member of our congregation we were just showing up for something or not like I was very like, let's get it done. Okay. We're gonna talk to this person for 10 minutes and then we're gonna be off to there and talk to that person for 10 minutes and all. But we would get places and I would be with my Tongan companions and they would sit down and they would talk for an hour before they even brought up what we oh, were that. actually there for.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And and even when you bring something up, so like if you want something in Tongan, I there, it's kind of like so we're kaimomua. If you go up to someone, it's like, hey, my yeah. Like it's very, it's not, granted some people do it and it just depends on your relationship with the person, but it's, um, it's very customary. Like when you run into someone or if you need something from someone, you need to go and you need to put in the time and you yes. need to make sure they're doing good that day. And you need to listen to all the stories and you just, you really need to be present with that person for a while before you can get anything from them. And that's exactly what Maui did here with Tava and yeah. you know up until as far as we know as the stories go he never came out right and asked for something um but he kind of mentioned it and we do that a lot in Tongan. it's like you know i i went to tonga as a 17 year old and there was a kid at the you know church who we went to church and he had this really cool scripture bag and one of the people in our group was like wow that's a really cool scripture bag and the kid took his scriptures took them out of the bag and gave gave the other kid in my group the bag right because you don't say hey can i have that bag um if you wanted it you would just you'd mention it oh that's that's cool and they'd be like oh but in tongan equivalent in tongan is asking for it. and that's essentially what Maui did is like oh what is that and she's like oh that's the hook and here you go here's the hook kind of thing so those yeah. are like other
2: yeah, and that's the ta, the ta in tongan which is the 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 beat or the the time yeah. which is has to be slow um in order to build relationship yeah yeah you're beating that space in a very slow way in order to create that space and Remember that the Tongan word for for malie, which is beauty, it's also the word for slow ma malie. And I know you both talked about right. this last time. Um, so the, the the two is like telling you this is what Tongan finds to be pleasing and beautiful and harmonious. Malie, yes. ma liye, malie, ma the slower you do things, it's more chiefly. Um, and, yes. and and that is considered to be the, the way that the uh, you know Tongan's operate from their own view of time that's That's just to add to add to our to our our conversation because you know even maui slowed down the sun to make it slow Um, (laughs) it's just a different way of thinking about time because in the west everything is about time is money it's about speed and acceleration we need faster computer and faster you know things Uh, but it's sort of almost the opposite in tongan yeah yeah that's
0: that's interesting because it also plays into like plays back into the scientific aspect of things is in, you know, talking about the West and, and Tonga In Tonga, you can grow things almost year round. There are, certain things have certain yeah. seasons, but um, you don't need to worry. You don't need to rush. You don't need to hurry because everything will happen in its time. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so whereas the West is, you know, you have a winter, you have six months out of the year where you can't grow any mm-hmm. food and you can't eat. So you need to hurry up and you need to get everything yeah. done so that yeah. you survive. And so it's just kind of interesting how, you know, the cultures have developed based off of these different environments, the different scientific aspects. And it's just another, you know, another telltale of the importance of, you know, seeing these things and seeing these practices. But it's also I feel like once you understand something, you get better at doing it. And so I really like I was saying before, I really struggle with the whole sit down and talk for an hour or two hours (laughs) before getting to the thing because I didn't understand it. But as I grew to understand the culture, and I didn't, I didn't come to understand it till I lived in Haapai.
2: Yeah, I, I still think that balance that Maui gives us is important for us. Even when you have Balangi time and then tongan time, there should still be a balance in the way you, you, you find, mediate the two in order to come to some sort of... We're not saying, yeah. you know, Balangi time is bad. <laughs> we're saying now we have to sort of balance the two together, even with our knowledge of astronomy. Yeah. You know, knowing about Scorpio and Matau, Puspanu and Maui are both important. We have to bring yeah. the two and mediate them in some way to, to create some sort of potu bot, tatau, which is the balance wave that Tongans see it. And I think that that's probably much more helpful for all of us. We embrace Definitely. what the Palangi and the West have given us, but also bring what the Tongans have. And then you bring the two together to create some sort of, you know, balance that will create Faafofa and Mali out of that.
1: Yeah. I think that's what has become a a big problem for a lot of our our Tongan people and other Pacific people, you know, here in living in Hawaii, living in Australia, again, living in the U.S. um, continent, um, that identity crisis, right, uh, of trying to um, come to terms with their Tongan identity and their Palangi identity, thinking that there needs to be, oh, you got to choose one. You got to be one of them, you know, and and you're right, Kaili is... um, Another big part of this podcast is helping people to realize that this is all of this history is a part of who they are, um, whether they understand it or not, they know it or not, or they like it or not. It it affects them, but they have to find a balance, right? If there's a job interview at at 2 o'clock, we're not doing the mamalie, we're not doing the the Tongan understanding of time for that. No, you're there at 2. But if we're doing, say, a Tongan wedding. Or, or a funeral, and, you know, the, 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 the agenda says, oh, we'll do it at 11, we end up doing it at 1, you know, you don't have to stress out about that. You know, there's reasons why we take our time doing certain things, and and, and I think that's the balance. It's not choosing one or the other, it's understanding who you are, and making the adjustments to to be able to live and to, to be, you know, Tongan in this foreign world, you know? So that's, there's a lot of stuff we're learning from Maui today. Yeah.
2: yeah. (laughs) I mean, Maui has showed us that he could create the balance between him and Bangaloa and Kuleo. And so we're learning from them how to, how to create that balance Absolutely. uh,
0: also in our lives. Yes. I love, I love what you said there, Ulise, because one of the last things is it's understanding and people, you know, living in Tonga, a lot of people like, Oh, America's better. Oh, Tonga is better. It's always like one is better than the other and as as like you know each has its up and down but what happens is when you understand why people do what they do yes it makes sense one way isn't better than the other but different things and i think you gave a beautiful example like certain things fit a certain environment so the job interview yeah. you want to be punctual because that's what is valued in that setting yeah, is that setting correct but for the wedding you want to take your time and make it beautiful because the beauty is what's valued in that setting and yeah. i really um Recently, I I actually reached out to Dr. Kaili because there was an article we read in his class a few years ago when I was in it um, by a Maori anthropologist named Lily Lily George. And one of the topics she talked about, one of the things she said is we need to we need to take the best aspects of both. She said Maori, but in the sense we're going to say Tongan, we need to take the best aspects of Tonga and the best aspects of Europe or European culture, Western culture, and we meld them together into a new tongan culture right and that's exactly that's what we're doing today but we need to just understand it's not you don't have to say this is better that's better because in different environments they're both better so they both have equal value (laughs) but when you (laughs) understand them you can bring them together and use them to everybody's benefit
2: to your benefit
1: so
2: Wow. and we're doing it right here uh, this episode we're using zoom and you know <laughs> yes. we're using uh, balangi technology we're using our tongan stories i mean we're merging the two together in very beautiful way to to, yeah. to uh to do something that we're 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 actually drawing from from both from both traditions
1: beautiful
0: beautiful that's beautiful I think we're kind of wrapping things up reaching the end but I just want to thank both of you for being here again special thank you to our guest Maui Tavahaako for adding a lot of bringing a lot of beauty kind of what we're talking about today and demonstrating that balance to us I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up is there any last words you guys want to leave with everyone and not last words we I mean we're coming back but <laughs>
1: <laughs> no just uh same thing want to thank you Kaili Malo opito Maui Tavahaako for joining us today it's been been a real privilege and i and i think many people especially again our youth and our other tongans that grew up didn't grow up in Tonga or and um especially that don't speak tongan and can't listen to your other beautiful programs on like talakola shout out to to and the fam (laughs) who can't understand tongan and so can't always engage in a lot of the uh the important conversations like this and understanding culture through you know books or other even social media posts that are written in Tongan. Thank you for joining us and helping us out with this, especially in this very important topic about Maui and the Maui clan. Um, to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us again. Uh, just so you know, this is not an exhaustive uh, uh, episode. There's a lot more to do with Maui, you know? And so if you if you want to know more, if you want some more resources from us, books or um, other podcasts, other videos, um that talks about Maui or other knowledge and stories. Like Ka'ili said, there's a whole lot more. Just reach out to uh, Wakona, Cameron Van Wagner, or to me, myself, Ulise Funaki, and reach out to Dr. Ka'ili as well. We have a lot more to share with people concerning um, Maui and uh, especially um, Dr. Ka'ili has a very important ties. And we didn't get a touch on it today, but you know, hopefully in a, in a future episode, he can touch on his uh, genealogical connections. To the Maui clan. Um, yes, that's right. You heard correct, and there are many other Tongans out there who are tied to Maui genealogically, um, and so we'd love to hear their stories as well. But uh, that's it. Malo alapito, everybody. Thank you, Dr. Kaili.
2: Yeah, I just want to say uh, malo alapito and uh, uh, thank you, Hau, uh, and also to you, Funaki. Thank you for you know creating this uh, podcast. You know, you're the modern Maui of uh, today. <laughs> uh, what you're doing with the uh, podcast is that you are sharing this knowledge that only, have, uh, you know, exclusive uh, people or this knowledge may be in books, but you're yeah, yeah. you're taking it and you're sharing it like how Maui share the fire with, with, with the mass. So yeah. um, I'm very supportive of your work and um, thank you. And thank you for all the, the listeners out there who have joined us. Ophelahiya. Malo pito. With that, another thank you to you guys
0: for joining. Another thank you to our great co host here, Ofalahiatu, and we will see you on the next episode.